bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of judgment. But, but answer there, my question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits what a homicide and kills people up... Nah, if you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. Frank, candid and straight to the point. This is the best radio show in the state of Wisconsin. Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth App. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. Yay, it's Monday. It was a it was a great weekend, but today was a ugh, terrible day. I was late everywhere I went, starting with this morning. I mean, starting with this morning, I missed an appointment. And I was like, and my day just went straight down. And I was like... Are you kidding me? <clears throat> Nothing on my calendars. All of them. Now, I'm kind of, I have ADHD. So, I put everything on my personal calendar, my backup calendar, my work calendar, and my other work calendar. Nothing. So, somewhere in my, but what do you call it? My, my either junk folder or my um, drafts folder is sitting a calendar invite for this morning. And I'm just living. Here's what I don't understand. Why do people send, this isn't my topic right now, but why do people send emails when they want to have a meeting? Can anybody help me with that? Hey, we're having a meeting this day. Here's an email with a link. How am I supposed to find that on the day? Oh, well, you, you can just make the, the uh, why don't you instead, because you're the one that made it and you're the one that's changing it and you're the one that's updating it and you're the one with the agenda. Why don't you actually, you ready? Send me a calendar invite. And then you know how many people are showing up, who read it, all that. But I digress. 
Can y'all tell I had a long weekend? So I have a question about affirmative action. And I don't know how to answer. I don't know how to ask it. And I don't know how to answer it. Because I caused a lot of trouble last night. And so I figure I may as well continue to cause a lot of trouble today. Because everybody seems to think the world that everybody's racist. Right? And so when you start to look at data about how black people are doing and how black people are making it, right? How they use data to talk about black people dictates whether or not we we win or not, dictates whether or not we're making it or not. And so I find it a little disingenuous because I was having a conversation with a city official who actually was the first person that understood what it was I was talking about, right? So I'm going to ask this question, and then I'm going to ask about my actual topic. Are more black people in poverty than in the middle class? Most people might tell you that there are more people in poverty. And so I try to explain to people we're not. Well, yes, we are. Look at the look at the data. Look at look at the look at the household data. And I said, how many people are in a white household in Brookfield? Three, maybe four, maybe five. Go to 38th and North and draw a three block radius and tell me how many people are in each of those families. Some of them, you might have 10, eight, six, right? So when I look at what the statistics say in the federal government and count the number of family members, black people always look like they're poor. Because I got like a thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollar wage earner, and then I got eight kids, and so when once you look at that, it's like, oh, they're living in poverty, right? But when you look at individual income, you might find that there are three or four people there making over thirty thousand dollars a year, and that in fact, they're doing okay. Not everybody, but they're doing okay. And so what happens is when we want to paint a picture to say black people look a certain way, we simply use the family. Again, white people in legislatures choose what lens to look through to make them look great and you not so much. We use the family. The problem is if you use that same measure and go to Appalachia, parts of New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, right? You go in those little poor parts and all of a sudden you're going to find that white people are far worse off than we are. And the problem with that is when you start to look at people individually, you will find there's a significant number of black people that graduated from high school that are working started their own businesses, all those things. 
That's why we have to be careful when we look at this thing called affirmative action. What exactly are you talking about when you say we need affirmative action? When black people had better families, better homes, better income, and rose from poverty to middle class and upper middle class faster in the 40s, 50s, and 60s than we did in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, that's a problem. That, right there, is a problem. But yet, that's exactly what happened. Intact homes, graduation rate from high school, jobs, entrepreneur, all those things grew at a significantly faster rate. And so the problem comes when we hit the 60s and we started talking about affirmative action, somebody forgot to define was it equal opportunity or equal action. See, today we look at it as equal action, right? When we look at it as equal action, it's a you hire them, you hire them. But there's a component missing. And so then I had to ask myself, well, who takes credit for black success? Do I, the individual, when we unfortunately, in my point of view, we, we, we unfortunately have a have a contingent of people in the black community that look at ourselves as a collective, which then dilutes, right? We're our own worst enemy, dilutes the strength and the power that we have because you're trying to make everybody the same. So who takes credit for black success? 40s, 50s, and 60s, when we had a foot on our neck, we actually were making it pretty decent. It was tough. Jim Crow. I mean, do whites take credit? I don't know. What about politicians? They started kicking around and John F. Kennedy is the first president to have coined the term affirmative action. Do politicians take credit? I don't know. But before John F. Kennedy stuck his finger in the mix, in the punch bowl, we were starting to hold our own, have our own, and be our own. Was it perfect? Oh, my gosh, no. We needed some form of affirmative action to move through the 60s because of the terror and the killings and the lynchings. But then do we let anti-poverty groups take credit when we still have poverty? And when we talk about equal opportunity versus equal action, if we go with equal action, the NBA will have to open up and let Jewish and, and Asian athletes in. And people say, oh, well, that's not true. They have an opportunity. I said, okay, watch this. Show me one Jewish or Asian superstar in the NBA. Show me one in the NFL. That's not a negative. Is that opportunity or action? I think it's opportunity. And I think that and I think that's what affirmative action was meant to push. Equal opportunity because if we stick with equal opportunity, 
It doesn't matter where you went to school. It doesn't matter if your school took the 99th percentile in math and this, this school took the 89th percentile. In the end, like everything in life, eventually, just like five years out of school when everything starts to flatten out, it's only going to come down to one thing that's going to make you successful. And that is capability. And that is Dr. Ken's Truth on the new 1017 The Truth. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app and 1017thetruth.com. Listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. You ever had so many things and so many emails, like one day it just like all catches up with you and you just go like, what? What is going on? So here's the deal. I'm interviewing today um, in the five o'clock hour. Um uh, Lauren Hubbard, she's the director of of Community Crisis Services for Milwaukee County Behavioral Health Services, and Kate Fleming, who's an actual mobile crisis team member, like does the whole thing. So remember, it's Lauren Hubbard today at 5 and um, Kate Fleming. And so if you have any questions about about mental health and what's going on in the county, you know, we got the new county building here and all that stuff. We're going to be actually talking about it. We're not going to be not necessarily dispensing advice, but we're going to talk about the issues that are in Milwaukee County and some of the things that we need to be working on and doing in order to um, make it. See our note on the talking text line say, Dr. Ken, Asian and Jewish people have opportunity. They are not the best athletes. And I say it correct. They don't have the capability, thus no opportunity. And it's okay. It's okay. Um, that is a very good point. Uh, the caller said success, black, white, yellow, or brown is the, by the grace of God, brother, there are people who make the same choices and have far different results. Why would we ever believe that a nation built on free level would ever stick to equal opportunity? It is provided when this colonist empire sees fit to provide it. I didn't go to school because someone else saw fit. You know what I'm saying? I went to school because I decided to go to school and I figured out how to do it and I did it to the point where I even worked while I went to school. So I get that, but I'm, I'm, I'm a, um, I'm more internal driven than external. My, my locus of control is internal. I think that when I run into a problem, I'm gonna fix it. I'm gonna figure it out or I'm gonna die trying. So I don't look at the fact that we're we were colonized. I'm not living in the past anymore. I'm not looking at the past anymore unless it's going to inform my present. 
which then informs what I do in the future. But what I'm not going to do is hold on to something like a ball and chain and cry and complain about something that they're not going to change. It's not going to change. Slavery is not going anywhere. It's, it's changed names and gone to different ways. But, but by and large, if you can avoid it, avoid it. Who cares if somebody won't give you an equal opportunity? Start your own. Get out of this mindset. What are you smiling about? It's Monday. Not happy today. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I'm laughing at myself because it's been one of those days. And, you know, you can do one of two things on those days. You could cry or you could laugh. I chose to laugh. Why? Because the Packers won? <laughs> Got him. He, he didn't even know how to come back to that. Like, uh, 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 uh. Cried in self-reflection. Wow. Wow. You that bad when you see yourself? Ooh. We need to talk. We need to talk. See how you just twist it around and just, yeah. Yeah, that's called elder abuse. Me being elder, abusing you. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, the whole colonist thing and empire, that's over. They're here already. White folks and already took the country and started the, the, the Constitution and changed stuff and took over stuff and killed people and all that, and we're over. I'm thinking about today what I'm going to leave for my children and my children's children and all that other stuff. I remember it, though. Don't get it twisted. I remember. I don't forget. I remember. I just kind of tackle it a different way. And CR No said, hence Jews and Asians has the opportunity. Yeah, but they don't have the opportunity to do everything. They only have the opportunity to do what they do. But when it comes time to do certain things, they don't have the opportunity. I'm just saying. But I get what you're saying. Wayne said, Dr. Ken, here's the issue. It's really no longer about affirmative action. They are using they who. So you got to be be specific. Don't don't give me the generalities of they. I don't know what they means, Wayne. But they wrote <laughs> Wayne wrote they are using as a diversion for what's really going on. This is what's continuing to expand the wealth gap. What exactly is really going on? Wayne, he goes on to say. It's about those that have and those that have not the wealth that's in their kids. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he was writing send their kids to Ivy League schools are more concerned about making sure their lineage continues to have access. <clears throat> Can I break something to you, Wayne? That's what I did. I won't expand the wealth gap so that my children make more money than me. I want to make sure my children aren't rich. I want them wealthy. So their children are wealthy and their children are wealthy. I want them to be able to send their kids to, in my hope, 
a historically black college or university. But if they want to go to an Ivy League school, God bless them. I'll help them. And I am concerned about the lineage. See, here's the thing. Many white people don't think about familial. They only think about nuclear family. You got your family over there. You handle your business. I'm going to handle mine. So when I think about lineage, I think the way, and you may say fortunate or negative, but I do my share of community work and, and community organizations. But in the end, I'm taking, taking care of and taking control of my lineage, my children and my grandchildren. That's what that's about. It's the, for me, it's the individual family. Then later, after they're taken care of, if you want to add to and help people and change things, hey, knock yourself out. But what I'm not going to do is lower myself or shine less because someone else has an issue with it. That just makes no sense to me. For a child to go to college and somebody to tell them, you think you're a know-it-all and you think you all that because you went to college and I didn't, that's your issue, not theirs. I love when one of my daughters tells me, well, you know, Dad, today we actually do such and such and such and such. Now, granted, nine times out of ten I already knew. But the point that we have the kind of relationship that they can say, hey, you know what? Don't do that like this. Do it like that. Like my daughter, <laughs> my daughter sends me an email as if we don't have iPhones. Hey, you need to update your iPhone to 17.1. I'm like, you, you mean the thing I already did? Like, what are we doing? Now, I could do that, right? And then it'll make her feel some kind of way and say, forget it. I'm not going to do that no more. Or... I can say, hey, thanks. I appreciate that. I'm going to make sure I update. Which then gives her the opportunity and the ability to say, oh, and by the way, over here, yeah, you need to check on that too, right? Because eventually you want your children to be smarter than you. That's what counts. But when we live in this communal thing all the time, we're not a collective. The collective has caused us not to grow as fast as we should. You know, like the Bible says, you know, spread the word in all of Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. That's how you should do your family. Start at home, then your cousins, you know, brothers and sisters, and then them, them their, their kids, and then everybody else. But you got to take care of home first. And we keep forgetting that. We think we're supposed to, oh, we got to work for the community and the collective. Well, the community collective isn't returning anything to me. And I'm at an age now where I'm not just doing stuff to feel good. That's over. It, now it's about self-worth. So if this isn't at this point, I would suggest you don't get it done. If, if you don't know your worth, we, we should have a conversation. Dr. Ken, you're not making sense, but okay. They have the opportunity now. Do they spend their time in those fields in question? But again, have the opportunity. See, you're generalizing. I know Jeremy Lin. You're, you're generalizing opportunity. I'm not. Opportunity is very, for me, is very narrow. 
we got to stop this generalization of of they and, you know, they have opportunity. Like what? If they had opportunity, they would be in charge or the leaders in in very, you know, broad fields. And they're not. They're just not. Like when was the last time you actually saw an Asian football player? Have you ever had an Asian quarterback? Exactly. I'm sure they've had the opportunity, but they didn't have what? The capability. If you don't have a capability, all the opportunity in the world is not going to matter. And I think that's what happened to us before we go to break. We created the opportunity through action, but we didn't have the capability because our schools are failing us. So it doesn't matter if you're a 4.0 at a high school in Milwaukee If you're not scoring in the 99th percentile in math, you're not going to MIT. If you go to MIT and you're in the 89th percentile, you're going to struggle and then you're going to quit. And you're going to think you're a failure when, in fact, you're comparing apples to oranges. Go to a school that takes 89th percentile in math. Both of y'all will learn math. Both of y'all will get a job and you go on your way. But we're too busy living, you know, vicariously. I want my child to go to this school. Well, that's cute. I want my child to have this um, occupation. I remember, and this will be my last story before we go to break. I remember listening to a young lady who was on a panel at a school in Milwaukee who said, quote, she wanted to be a pediatric surgeon. And so everybody in medicine went, you know, other people went, oh, they want to be a medical doctor. And those that have like doctorates and master's degrees and went to school, uh, you know, work in healthcare went. I know you want to do peds, but do you want to do what? Neurology? Or... Like what? Like what, what What? kind of surgery do you want to do on kids? You want to deal with like cleft palates or kids that are born with three fingers and help them? Like what? But say pediatric surgeon is like, mm. anyway. And I said, somebody needs to go talk to her. And so somebody did and said, hey, when you do this, say this. And this. Those are the kinds of things our kids need. So that they're able to express, this is what I want to do. And that dream can come alive. Now, it just so happened, the girl that didn't know what she was talking about was one of them 99th percentile math. But she wasn't 99th percentile science. So instead of sending her to Harvard Medical School, maybe she goes to somewhere else. But when she graduates, what do you call her? A medical doctor. And that young lady is a medical doctor today. I say all this to say, at some point, you just might have to make your own opportunity. You might have to take it. But if you're going to drag everybody else in the entire city, family, and everybody, well, not nuclear family, but all your family, like a ball and chain, here's where you're going to end up. Nowhere.
You are listening to Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Truth in the afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-1017. You did this on purpose, didn't you? You moved it all the way over there. You know how hard it was just to reach over? Look at my arm, my elbow. <laughs> Al, you're on the award-winning 101.7 The Truth. Yeah, happy Monday to everybody. I just wanted to call and reach out because I noticed lately, I've been seeing lately with a lot of parents, who's collecting checks, and I know you said take care of home, they have a habit sometimes of keeping a lot of chaos and drama in their house because some of their kids do not want to be a duplication of them. So if anybody is listening, whether you are a young woman or a young man, please do not fall into the negativity of what's going on in your parents' house. Because some of them have these favorite kids that they let get away with murder, but then when you come around, they put all this weight on you. I just want to let these people know it is not your fault. Any drama or any chaos in your parents' house, you let them deal with that on their own. And those kids that their their favorites, you let them go to them when they got one foot in the grave, okay? Because you're not a punching bag. And it's, it's mighty funny. When those people are collecting them checks, they always kick them good kids while they're down. But then when them same kids come up, they got their hands. They got their hands out asking for money. So if you belong to any of those households, you let them parents rot. And you let them call them kids. That is the favorites. Because you're better than that. And some of them parents don't want you to move forward because they see you as better and they know the mistakes they had. The mistakes they made is a duplicate of the children they favor and their children still ain't went too far itself from where they were born to the house that they still keep all that chaos and drama in. Let them rot. So let me have ask you a day, question. Hang on, hang on, Al, Al, don't go anywhere. So I have a question. Um, I'm sure you've sure. heard nature versus nurture, right? So how people no, no, turn no, out. I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So nature versus nurture. Are people innately good or bad? Or is their environment causing them to be good or bad? Or is it a combination of both? I think it could be a combination of both. Because, you know, you shall always want that child to move forward. And even if some kids make some mistakes, you should not hold that over their head. Always push a, a son or daughter to be their best. But if you continue to keep that chaos and drama in your household and when one child comes around 
who's trying to do everything and you pick and you you keep picking at them, it can kind of tear away at their mental and their spirit. And I know it's say, well, you got to move for be moved for it. And I know it's easier said than done because some kids want that mother's love. Right. But if you cannot get that mother's love and they got that chaos and drama, you got to let them rot. That is the only way you can do it and go on with your life. And when you get better, come by for 50 minutes and stay gone for six months. Because what they're going to continue to do is pull you down to hell because they know they could have got off their fast tail and did it, but they chose not to. Because they threw the cars up in the air, let them all fall down, and they're going to continue to struggle. But they don't want you to go no farther because the good kids always make the bad kids look good. No, the good kids always make the bad kids look bad because their mother and father know where they dropped the ball and fell. That's why they always favor the ones who show up and act just like them. But the good ones who try to do right, keep their house clean, and try to keep the younger kids going on the right path, they always want to pick on them because they know they raised a bunch of failures. But the one kid who don't want to be like them is trying to get the hell out. So if you need you listeners is like that, let them parents rot, and those ones that they favor, let them call on them when they get ready and go to the nursing home because that truth will set them free. And that's all I want to say. 833-212-1017 is the number. So do you agree with Al? Because here's, here's my take. I respect what Al just said, but that sounds like a reaction to something that occurred. And so for me, I think it's important to remember when you do the right thing, I believe it will come back on you. Two words I try to avoid in every circumstance. No, no, let me rephrase this. I try to not use these words. No, that won't work either. Let me think. I use these words in as few instances as possible. How's that? Always and never. Don't say I would never. Because you will. And don't say I'll always. Because you won't. And I think we have to remember that people are not perfect. So I don't know if I would let my mother rot. I mean, my mother did some things I didn't like. You know, little stuff. Would I let my mother rot? No. No matter how bad she treated me. No matter how terrible I think she was. She's my mother. She gave birth to me. And some modicum of decency in me is not going to make me treat my mother a certain way or father a certain way, which I I, I could have easily treated my father that way because of the way he was. But I refused to. And I refused to not like him. I refused to hate him or whatever things about him that that are like me because you want to know why? Because he's my father. Period. End of story. Full stop. And you know how much drama it takes? Like, think about how much you'd have to avoid your parent for X amount of months purposefully. Like, you know how hard that is? Like, today, I see people I don't like, I speak to them. Hey, how's it going? Why is that? Because it takes too much energy to not. 
That means you got to be on my brain all the time. I got to be thinking about you. I'm not speaking to you when I see you. I'm not co- like, really? They're not thinking about you. Let it go. So, Al, I get it. But at some point, I don't know if I could let my parents rot. I guess you can. But I can't. More of Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harrison is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-1017. This is the last week to sign up for our Black-Owned Business Giveback. So if you want to win $6,000 worth of free commercial advertising on the truth for three months, go to blackbusinessgiveback.com right now. That's free advertising for your business to market itself, valued up to at up to $6,000. Don't miss out on this great opportunity. Go to blackbusinessgiveback.com to sign up today. For official rules, head to where? Blackbusinessgiveback.com um, Associated Bank member, FDIC. And Truth Nation, it's about time to elevate, level up your business and your skills at Forever Media's Lead the Moment Conference. This conference will teach you how to lead effectively, innovate, talent acquisition, elevate your brand, and champion diversity and inclusivity. Lead the brand, I'm sorry, Lead the Movement Conference will be held Saturday the 29th, 8 to 3.30 p.m. at Henry Meyer Festival Park. That's Summerfest Park. And for more information, visit ltmconference.com. That's ltmconference.com. And, you know, since, you know, we want to elevate you, uh, we'll be giving away two tickets this Friday to attend the conference. So, you know, make sure you check it out. And then when we do that, you'll be able to hear it and win and go to the conference for free. Now, I'm not giving you gas money, but, you know, I'm just saying, because gas is too expensive, like $5 a gallon. So, I'm just saying. That's on you. 833-212-01017 is the number. We got the top five at five coming. We got some folks from Milwaukee County Mental Health coming on. It's going to be it's going to be great. It's going to be absolutely great. Al said, LOL, I would never. My parents, they were phenomenal to me. I'm talking about those parents who make their kids life a true hell just because those know who they are. Well, well, we don't know that, Al. We don't know that people make their kids lives rough just because like we, we got to stop assigning what we think the reason is other people do what they do. Like people do what they do and they have their own reasons. And so unless you ask them or, you know, firsthand or you basically get information, 
I don't I don't know if I would generalize and say that to um, a parent. Everything is down to situations and circumstances. And so I don't begrudge anybody doing anything. Good or bad, because life happens. And sometimes you just got to. Roll with it, but you can always be trying to make it better, though. And that's all I'm saying. LT said, I'm not supposed to generalize, but the biggest generalization there is, I believe, is that schools are failing the kids. I believe the parents are failing more than the schools. There's not enough time in the day to argue with you. To a point, parents are failing the schools. But watch this. If the kid at an NPS school school takes math, and a kid at Arrowhead, Pius, DS, somewhere takes math and when they take the ACT they score in the 90th percentile and the MPS kid who's the A kid scores in the 80th percentile what does that tell you there are some things that are taught in schools that black kids and some white kids don't even hear about until they go to college like there were things in school that when I went to college I had absolutely no clue they even existed And that's because of what they taught me in high school. That's because what they felt was important for me in high school. And other people were getting exceedingly more. The information, the the access to, you ready? Opportunities, those types of things. That's that's what I'm talking about. So if, if you have two great parents, which I've seen, Time and again, black, white, Hispanic, Asian didn't matter. You have great parents and then you turn around and you go to school and you're ill-equipped to go to college because everything that they were giving you in high school was not germane to you being successful in college. The topic areas, right? All those things. Best advice I got from a guy when I was working, he said, hey, when someone walks up to you, always be able to say um, the last book you read. It's a powerful conversation starter. You know, it really is. Are we going to be able to squeeze them in or? Okay. 833-212. <laughs> Julian, we got about a minute. You're on the new 1017 The Truth. How are you? Uh, Good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. I'm just calling to humbly offer a differing opinion about uh, the need for affirmative action. I'm a little bit uh, disappointed and uh, uh, to hear your position on it, but I do respect the fact of we respect your opinion, sir. I'm just calling to say that, uh, you know, you said, what is affirmative action? It's a set of policies, procedures designed to remedy past and present uh, discrimination. Uh, about 1965, Linda Johnson signed that executive order requiring government contractors to take affirmative action in the hiring and employing of, of, of minorities. Uh, soon after, the colleges, universities heeded that mandate, and they adopted the recruitment of minority students as part of the education mission. Uh, 
uh, recognizing that educational benefits, that there are educational benefits to having a diverse student body in 1978, a challenge to affirmative action. The Supreme Court said that affirmative action in admissions to achieve diversity in the student okay, body. Okay, are you reading something or what? Because what, what you're reading, I already understand. Okay. Well, I just wanted to I just wanted to make my point that affirmative action has been successful at increasing racial and ethnic diversity in higher education. When when it first came about, but that's just higher rules. education. What about what about like families and homes and jobs and all that? Okay. Well, well, that, that we can't just use higher education and say that's the barometer. Doesn't, edu- doesn't education put you in the position for h- homes and jobs? That's 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 what that's what that's what people go to get education for. High school does the same thing. Ah, high school does the same thing. So what's your point? Okay. Doesn't it? My point is in 19. Doesn't it? Don't, don't, I, 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 Julian, I understand exactly what you're saying. I, I get that. My question was opportunity versus action. Okay. What has it gotten? Okay. I heard you talking about, I heard you talking about college and I heard you talking Mm -hmm. about affirmative action. I just wanted to make the point to you that in 65, 4.8% of the U.S. undergraduates and 2% of medical students were black. Uh, We get affirmative action by 2011. Um, the number was 14.5 percent of uh, 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 black and brown education uh, enrollment. But what does that mean? percent. But what does that mean? What, what I'm telling you is affirmative action has been successful when they banned it in 19. Did I say it wasn't it was successful? Well, that's that's why we want to keep keep it going. Because answer my question. Did I say it wasn't successful? If it, if it, if it, if it then why would we why would we stop it? OK, if, he's not answering my question. All right, I got a roll. If you want to hang on, hang on, or I'll, I'll talk to you later. 833-212-1017 is the number. My question is, well, first of all, I never said it didn't work. I said, which one do we choose, opportunity or action? 